0: Howdy, Venture Pilgrims. We are back today with our first interview and super excited for y'all to hear from our good friend Jack Rule, co-founder and CEO of IMA, a social marketplace which shows you what your friends are buying and enables you to earn money referring products.
1: Now, we don't want to spoil too much of the interview, but we'll dive into how Jack got the idea, how it could disrupt the traditional influencer marketing model, And hear Jack's thoughts on the importance of authenticity in brand marketing. I can't wait. Let's get into it. Let's
0: get into it. Here's this week's Dose special interview style.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Nice. You see here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't
2: think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees, take a deep breath, and jump.
1: This is Venture Pill with your hosts Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture.
0: All right, welcome on, Jack. Uh, great to have you on as our first official Venture Pilgrim guest on the show. First interview. How does it feel? It
2: feels fantastic. Um, You know, you hear all these big names talking about making the pilgrimage and it's kind of surreal to be here (laughs) myself.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're honored. Very much so. Uh, Yeah, we're honored to have you on and want to hear, you know, a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, what you're working on with IMA. Uh, Certainly a really cool startup and You know, as you know, you're a listener, long-time, long-time listener. listener. We love just talking startups, talking about what works, what doesn't. And, well, we just wanted to dive in and really hear about how you came up with the idea for IMA, your startup you're working on. What inspired you to start it, and how did you get to today, where you're now looking to launch your beta here soon?
2: Uh, A marketing friend of mine, who I'm actually not certain if I ever told him how integral he was in the idea. But Jake, if you're listening, thank you. Respond to my text about your experience working with affiliate (laughs) marketers. So my friend owns a marketing agency and gets hired to run a campaign for a insurance office. Uh, the The goal of the campaign is to recruit graduating seniors from the University of Missouri, which is this, the shoes I was wearing at the time. Now, <clears throat> what my friend does is goes in, films a promotional video of the guys in the office and in guerrilla fashion, posts the video to his Snapchat story with the caption, I'll pay anybody who reposts this $10. Uh, friend and I are about the same age, so he had a pretty solid Mizzou audience on Snapchat as is. Um, that he saw a good opportunity to uh, build on good opportunity to leverage. So I see, I see his proposal and I said, uh, yeah, I'll definitely do that for $10. sounds like the best deal in the history of deals. And he says, (laughs) I, well, I learned in conversation that people have a general unwillingness to post things to their Snapchat stories for money, which at that moment kind of hit me the distinction between influencers and non-influencers. And I think the chief reason in the non-influencers hesitation is social pressure. So from that day on, looking back, (laughs) I have since embarked on a journey to enable non-influencers to get paid for Finger quotations for those listening influencing which brings us to the pitch Ima is a social marketplace that shows you what your friends are buying and enables you to earn money referring products products you purchase on the app show up on your profile and the apps feed you can share products with friends via our in-app messages or on iMessage And if a friend buys something you've referred, you'll earn a commission. There's a second way to earn a commission that occurs when friends discover and buy things from your purchase activity on the feed or profile. Commissions are held in the app and can be used on future purchases or withdrawn to your bank account. Think Venmo.
1: Yeah, Sam and I love Ima, love what we've seen so far, I guess, one question, and Sam and I have made it clear, I feel like we have a lot of Texas pride, especially Austin pride. So what led you to move from Kansas City, Missouri to Austin and start IMA here, here? I have
2: to say my heart's in Kansas City, Missouri, but I needed a little bit of a change of scenery <laughs> from the Midwest. Um, and I'd been reading a lot, especially on Twitter, about the, uh, the Austin tech boom. I'm a fan of Texas. I've got friends in Dallas and have visited several times. Um, Same thing with Fort Worth, it's a great city. So I I already had an idea of what Texas had to offer and was really intrigued that Austin had all of this to offer plus all of the weird. Um, And even (laughs) my first time coming down here and, and visiting, you could just, you could see how real everybody was how willing everybody is to be themselves and therefore, I mean, how easy it really is to let your guard down and connect with people. And everybody does themselves to the highest extent, I'd say too, you know? Someone's gonna be weird, they're gonna be weird. Pajamas and cowboy boots, downtown, um, playing the banjo, (laughs) be it that character or be it some startup guys who work 100-hour weeks, everybody's happy to connect with each other and hear each other's perspective. It's just such a, a cool melting pot.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, I resonate with that so much. And Sam and I, neither of us are from Austin, but I think so much of what you just said is what's keeping us here. Um, so that's, that's awesome to hear.
0: Yeah, not to mention just the burgeoning text. Yeah, yeah. It's something that originally drew me down. And I wonder, was that, is, was it just a combination of that and kind of just a change of scenery? Like, were you envisioning, hey, I want to build I'm a headquarters to be in Austin, yes, Texas? Yes,
2: absolutely. It was, was it strategic
0: in that sense the, too?
2: The tech scene was sort of a prerequisite to anywhere that I was gonna transplant myself to from Kansas City. So it just made that much more sense. Austin just made that much more sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we're glad to have you down here. Yeah, great decision. Had glad it not be down been here. for Austin, we wouldn't be... Uh, having you on the show. I'm curious to hear a little bit more like on your background, like did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Do do you feel like you have have that entrepreneurial bug? I know you were telling us pre-show that you started another company in college. Tell us about that.
2: Well, I'm someone who really can't work with too many constraints, especially thought constraints. It's hard for me to work within a box. so I think in a lot of areas I just outside of entrepreneurship I just would have failed quite frankly um, <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed <laughs> I, I really enjoyed commercial real estate I, I I worked with the best team ever had great leadership I mean learned a ton but I think it in the end it, it just wasn't for me um, now to answer your to, to come back to earth and answer your original question about did mm-hmm. I always want to be an entrepreneur? I'd say yes. Um, I, I daydreamed about a lot, of, a lot of positions, jobs, and all of them were entrepreneurs in some regards. If, you know, 30 years from now when our beta launches, um, <laughs> in another 10 years, so 40 years from now, I'll probably wanna start another company. I really love the process. It's like painting a picture. It's just designing your life, you know? Entrepreneurs were defined as someone whose name escapes me as people with very thin lines between work and life. Um, And this whole aspect of designing a life is the same thing as designing a company, you know? From the culture, your, your habits as a team, down to the product you know what the users interact with
1: I really like that analogy of kind of painting a picture and designing your life in every aspect accordingly to you know how entrepreneurial you get any previous kind of ventures into entrepreneurship before i a-
2: yeah yeah so um, feed-up series or FUS was an e-commerce company is an e-commerce company and satire blog I ran, started in as a junior in college, and ran up until about mid last year, to which then a, a close friend and colleague of mine took over uh, and runs to this day. You can find us on Instagram at FeedUpSeries. Check out our website website FeedUpSeries.com. Um, be a part of the trend. Be a part of the community. You'll pick up on some lingo pretty fast. And I think information-wise, what I learned from Feed Up Series was community building and the importance of community building. Also, just authenticity, 100%. People don't like impersonal marketing, you know? And totally. if you're gonna sell a, a, a product, that is a special thing for someone to support your company you know to rep your brand they're repping you to an extent and and you really need to own that and to be appreciative of that
0: let me let me dig deeper there and connect this back to ima because i remember you telling me originally when you told me about ima it was sort of about this alignment of incentives about kind of the authenticity of influencers and your beliefs uh, surrounding that and how people would prefer to put their trust in the reviews of their friends, just by their actions and their buying habits, right? And to combine that into what you're talking about with influencers, sort of speak to that, like how did, how did you develop that idea? Why are you so passionate about it?
2: Well, I see a lot of manipulation in the marketing and advertising industry. It's essentially neuroscience right now, and the whole industry plays on human habits and psychology in order to get you to buy something. And I think a lot of people are aware of this and a lot of people would rush at the opportunity to bring marketing and advertising to a point where it's, it's the job of one's network. It's the job of people that you trust to refer products for you to get those recommendations from, right? And I think there aren't enough genuine mechanisms for people to get good recommendations. You have an Instagram algorithm, you have influencers who don't, and I can't speak to all influencers, but a, a majority of which by the nature of the process are marketing not what they use, promoting not what they use, but what they're paid to promote, right? Then that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that phenomena would, would be that much greater and that many more people would join if people could market products that they actually used. And that's a key piece of our product's identity, right? Our, our model. And so how do you think about competing with the
0: giants like Instagram or do you even consider yourself a competitor of Instagram
2: returning on identity right we have an advantage here in that our identity is yet to be established so our product can go wherever it wants to go now This may seem short-sighted because of just the speed tech behemoths these days can test and implement ideas, but it is my firm belief that in the eyes of the consumer, in the eyes of, of the user in this case, efforts to do so to make big changes in product identity can often result in an identity being tangled. And I think what we're seeing right now are these social medias kind of tiptoeing the line with shopping so as not to lose too much of their identity, whereas we can come out and just make the perfect product for shopping. Our whole identity can be just an easy, fun, connected shopping experience embodied.
1: Yeah, I, I think that makes sense and I, I like how you're establishing the divide between or tracking back a little, you were establishing the divide between inauthentic influencing versus influencing that's so authentic because I'm literally wearing the shirt and you you know, you see me wearing the shirt, you know I like this brand and embody this. Um, I think that's really important distinction and something that I definitely like about Ima's rising identity I think if, if I can put an identity to I might say if that's part of it being the authentic absolutely. influencing shopping platform that absolutely
2: it is. I, I mentioned earlier how uh, the chief reason why I think a lot of people don't want to be influencers is because of social pressure and I think another reason there is that in many cases the truth is bent so When people promote products, their audience knows, at least their audience that knows them on a personal basis will know that they don't actually use this product. And when we're talking about the audience that we're targeting with this product, a majority of their followers on social media know them, you know, are personally acquainted. Sure.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've focused a bit here, kind of on the end user, the folks shopping, the influencers, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the brands. How are you thinking about partnering with brands? Because I know this is kind of a two-sided market, right? Network effects kind of dynamics that you're working with here. How are you working with brands? What's the growth strategy there? What's the value prop to brands as opposed to wanting to work with traditional influencers?
2: So one large value prop we've got for brands is that to win on IMA, you don't have to compete with $60 million ad budgets. Whereas if you are an athleisure brand on Instagram, it's likely that you're competing for attention with Instagram on IMA users vote with their purchases. And if you've built an intimate relationship with your customer, which presumably you have as a smaller company, relationships are everything, then you have a better chance to compete with incumbents on our app.
1: So do you see, I'm uh, aligning more with like smaller up-and-coming mom-and-pop type brands and then eventually maybe building up to a bigger brand or immediately you know you appeal to a lululemon let's say first thing off the top of my head but do you kind of see it as aligning more with smaller brands first and establishing there or trying to go after some of the bigger sharks in the market
2: we are aligning with smaller brands to begin with we we'd love to have the larger brands on as it comes, but we we also are into this picture of our platform really being a great point of discovery and diversity in commerce. People find these new small brands and they buy them and bring them to their social network, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you you buy say you buy a new hoodie from a, a new brand in New York. <laughs> this hoodie comes in and uh, just like you wear it out and give the brand that exposure in public, on IMA we add a digital layer. And I would like when I think of that hoodie, that new brand being shared, I, I, I think of something new that someone is gonna be excited about being the first person too, you know? And And that the second and third people are going to be excited about being the first in their own context.
0: Yeah, so on the app itself, is it more like Venmo in the sense that it's just transactional? You get to see kind of what your friends are buying, or are your friends posting pictures of them in that hoodie in New York, as they might on Instagram, but it's coupled with Uh, you know proof of purchase and linked to the product
2: so we don't have plans right now in our product roadmap to build the like image sharing that said this is I mean my co-founder and I battle on this battle on this. yeah Um, our CTO Zong we go after – we get after each other on this argument because he really believes oh, yeah. that we should bring image sharing. And I – you know, you can't, you can't not see his reasoning. But I just think that we'll compromise the quality of the experience by letting people post pictures because people are going to post so many garbage pictures. And think I think it's so, it's, think <laughs> it's so important that we keep the feed, like the shopping experience, so neat. You know, like when you're going to a brand's website that you love shopping from or just when you're going to a, a brand's website that's done really well, part of that experience is I mean, a lot of that, a lot of the experience of the purchase, which includes even receiving the product, is that user experience on the website. It's just like packaging, right? Where it's more satisfying to shop. And this is something we'd say early on when describing the product amongst ourselves is we we wanted the images to look like this is an art gallery of products, like flipping through a tasteful photography book of products, you know? I think, and, and, and quality is just something we want to hammer on. I think that's gonna be You mentioned um, with the incumbents as well, and I know I'm using that word a lot, but the big, the tech giants, Instagram, (laughs) Pinterest, Twitter. I think one of the ways that, that we can differentiate ourselves is by quality, by making sure that, you know, giving people this assurance that if they're shopping on IMA, they know what they're gonna get is gonna be good. You know, the experience is gonna be good from start to finish because this is what we do
1: yeah i think customer experience is such an increasingly more and more important aspect especially as e-commerce you know develops and trends rise so i definitely agree with that concept of keeping the ima experience as seamless and clean and quality controlled as possible i think that's a great idea and i think that that ties back into what you said just a little bit ago about psychology and marketing and to kind of shift gears just a little bit, how do you plan on going about marketing IMA? Is it word of mouth? Is it, you know, I can't imagine you would use social media to market this platform, but I'd love to hear it from you.
2: Being the the daydreamer I am, long form video, I think is gonna be a big part of this. Like just cool video that you like to sit down and watch. Ryan Aflito at Creation Crate had this idea for a commercial, which I'm going to steal. This is probably the last time I gave him credit though. So the idea is that there's two people in a store, right? In a, let's say a clothing store. And they're, they're both girls. And one girl buys a hat. I'm picturing a beanie. And another girl's watching. Sees her by the hat and thinks, I'm gonna buy that hat. And waits for the first girl to check out and leave before buying the hat herself. And then someone comes up, or maybe it's like an Adam's family hand, <laughs> brings <laughs> five bucks, a commission, and gives it to the girl who first left or who first bought the product without her even knowing. And that kind of to display the pass, what we call passive refer and earn where you can earn money just by being a point of discovery for your network, for a a given product. So Ryan, uh, thank you. I know this is sort of off the topic of marketing, but in terms of branding, we really want our brand to be our users. You know, We wanna outfit our users in the best gear, keeping in mind that we're not only focusing on fashion. Early on, we plan, yes, plan on focusing on fashion. Later on, we'd like to get into as many things as there are tools that people find valuable and, and like to collect. And really just making it in every way we can, people centric. And IMA is on the back end, you know? Not as much the software that makes the company special, but the people.
0: Right. I love that vision. So, how do you incentivize, how do you garner excitement for these initial power users? Is it just as simple as? You know a targeted approach with certain fashion brands and getting people who are real passionate about those on the app and starting to share it with their friends how do you envision getting that initial user base to then grow from
2: so what we call the ability to earn money on the app is refer and earn so if we're talking about the product pre-refer and earn because we plan on launching with just the social features First, it's gonna take a while to build the balance and and the chats and the ability to export products and and whatnot. But before then, we wanna focus on quality of products and community. So we are just gonna focus on fashion and we're gonna do a lot of work ourselves sourcing cool new brands. And then try our best to build a community around that on or off platform, maybe using Discord. And a lot of these Uh, Early users will, in a sense, have equity, you know, Um, they'll be even more integral to the companies than the later users. But a lot of this early group, these initial users will be people, say, you know, influencers, affiliate marketers, maybe NCAA athletes who are excited about the opportunity to rep products that they already use. We think that's a a good value prop for um, that group in specific. And we've we have spoken with a couple influencers who are, are excited by the concept as well.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So tell us like a little bit as much as you can about timeline. Like when is the beta hoping to drop? When can we get in there and try it ourselves? Tell the people.
2: <laughs> Gotta say April. For oh. the beta at least. I imagine it be it'll be It'll probably be two or three more months before Sam can refer O.C. a new performance polo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't like iron? Uh, I'm actually yeah. in the market for one. Yeah. So. Sam, you got, you got so <laughs> okay. many. You know, you get, spread the love.
1: So let me ask you, touching on what we were just saying, but also pivoting a little. Is there a legal and compliance component to this? Do you need compliance from these brands that would theoretically be sold on your platform? I guess, naturally, yes, but is there? We'll
2: need permissions, and I'm glad you brought that up actually, because another value prop we've got for influencers is that they can get out of non-competes by moving a, a portion of their income generation to IMA, right? So brands, I should specify, brands do have the option to enable refer and earn on each product. So if they see a product they don't want people to be able to refer and earn a commission from sharing, they can opt out. Now, Mm -hmm. a product that can be referred can be referred by anybody and influencers can bring their followings into IMA, and bypass these like, non-competes by, by just working exclusively with the brands they use, which a lot of people think that would make for a, a lot more authentic of a campaign, a lot more authentic of an influencer in general. We'll have to have notices in links that are sent outside of the platform to say that this person can earn money if you buy this product. That's, that's one thing we'll have to do. And then um, 1099s as well, so similar to how an Uber driver would have to fill out a 1099 before driving Uber or DoorDash. Our users will have to fill out 1099s to start earning money on IMA, because there's technically no ceiling to how much mm-hmm. they can earn. And we would love to see it take off in a so, lower capacity.
0: Well, I wanted to ask, and, and that's a good segue, because I wanted to ask, a little bit more about the business model side of things. Uh, kind of a two-pronged question. Tell me about your vision for, like, are there going to be people like Uber drivers that can earn their living on IMA in your vision of whether that's three, five, ten years down the line, or is it more like uh, folks who can just make a, you know, some bucks on the side, just by, you know, casually, right? And then, how does IMA make money?
2: IMA makes money. We charge brands a $20 monthly subscription and take four to 5% of each transaction. Now, can someone make a living on IMA? Ideally, yes. I think IMA has the potential to completely change marketing to where doing something like IMA, I mean, you just, you're just going to have to pay people to buy your products. There are so many incentives out today. All of them cost something for brands. And I think the final incentive is just going to be paying people to buy what you're selling. And if I'm right about that, and this trend takes off to the degree, I think it will, it will be commonplace for people to earn livings on IMA, yes.
0: Yeah. And I think this ties back to this ongoing trend that we've noticed at least with a couple of other companies, like. Peaks, which is a platform that allows athletes to post, you know, special content and earn the money directly to them, instead of barely earning any and most of it going to the big platforms. Right? I think this is an overarching trend that, in a way, IMA is carving a space out within, in that giving people ownership rather than giving big advertising budgets to, you know, even bigger social media and media corporations.
1: Just to further Sam's idea there, there, to empower the actual content creators and cut out the middleman that might be taking a big, whether that's on ad spend or marketing budget like Instagram or any traditional marketing avenue, and kind of just empower the content creator directly with the end consumer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And the thing is, like, so, so it is a fact that, that many people make livings on Uber or um, related platforms. And think about, comparatively speaking, the size of the pie that was the taxi industry, right? And think about the size of the pie that is marketing and advertising. That's a lot of pie, you know? That's, That's a, a lot. Grandma has been busy. <laughs> And that's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of opportunity for people to come in and, and make a living, really, given the means, which is mm-hmm. what we're bringing.
1: Yeah, when, when the pie gets big enough, you know, you can live off the crumbs. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> eventually, those, eventually, those crumbs become little slices. Yeah. Love it. I love a good analogy on the old pill. Yeah. Just to reflect on the almost two years that you've been doing IMA what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced thus far and what do you anticipate being a challenge as you continue to develop grow and expand um, and you know feel free to take a second to collect your thoughts there i know that's a loaded question
2: hmm. focusing without stimulants so i'm prescribed Vivans and by design you're not calm when you take it and you miss out on a lot of life if you're not calm. You miss out on the moment, you miss out on opportunities because you're too wound up and your, your mind's too excited about something. And it was really hard. It is really hard to quit. Um, you know, when I take breaks, I, I, I have certain identifiers that tell me, time to take breaks, you know, you're, you're, you're burnt out, and eventually I'd like to just transition all the way off of it. But those intermediary periods of, of really like, it's time I do this without the, the pill are really tough. Not in like an emotional like suffering way, not like a, a depression and anxiety while those can be symptoms definitely, but just a, it's hard. It is hard to focus. It is hard to listen. And that's one thing that the other side of is really amazing, because a lot of the beautiful pieces of life I've found, you don't see if you're not calm, you just you you just overlook. I'd say that along with ego, the attachment to the position that I'm right, this whole journey has been sort of a big wow moment regarding the ego specifically, because. It's like it's like pulling on a sweater when you realize that how wrong you are across the board and even where you're right you're wrong. And and there's a good side and a bad side. It can be like ripping a band-aid because of how much you learn. You know, when you just say, "I'm not doing this right. I need to ask somebody for help." So those are two things that I've worked on a lot, which may seem like smaller feats when you look at everything else that needs to be done, like when you break down all of the tasks within a startup. Granted, you know we're, we haven't even launched yet, but hiring, crafting a pitch, pitching, the, the focus comes first and the humility needs to come first as well. And they will make those processes so much easier. They have made those processes infinitely easier for me and enjoyable moving forward i think working on those two as well as just slowing down um are are going to be major challenges
0: yeah i really admire that jack i mean you it goes back to what you were telling us at towards the beginning of of this talk was like this intertwining of your lifestyle with your work and you know, you're always, I know I know how you are, you're always going 100 miles an hour thinking about the business, but how can you be effective in the business if you're not, you know, focusing on you first and foremost, especially in these early days when it's you and it's four other guys on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, the way you're acting as a leader, one of the leaders of the company is going to make major impacts, you know, in these formative Months, Yeah, in these formative months. And so I admire that you're putting such a focus on yourself and being so humble and and able to tell us about these. So I I appreciate you opening up about that.
1: Really respect and appreciate the candidness. Um, (laughs) And if
2: you guys don't mind, I'm just realizing I haven't given any love to our our co-founders, all of which are far more impressive people than myself. Like... Sam said, I have four co-founders, um, one of which Robert Laguna who is a four-time startups operation lead. He currently heads operations at a crypto exchange called Hubris One. He's part-time and his role as is, is more of an advisor. Just had a kid, baby Nico. Robert's a great guy. There's Sam Christ, who is my childhood best friend, I mean from kindergarten, OGs. I've been hanging out the whole time. I've Mm -hmm. gone to school from five years old to 18, split up for college, went to MU and KU, still saw each other a lot, and ended up living together right after school. Sam is is an associate. I believe he does audit, or whatever the 11th circle of hell is in big four accounting with (laughs) PwC. (laughs) And then we have Zong Wen, which, He'll grade my pronunciation once he hears this, but um, brilliant engineer and teacher from Vietnam has worked with Matterport, um, which is a f- just great company as well as a uh, semiconductor company, so he's got broad experience, just shows you how smart the guy is, and he is the hardest working person I think I've ever met just unbelievable there's no quit in him has no vices just is is an absolute machine and a a pillar of positivity and oddly enough one of our other co-founders was a student of Zong's back in Vietnam and uh, that's Dylan Lee who is humblingly intelligent I, I think one year and two grades younger than me And he's worked with Facebook, Amazon, Tesla, Tesla on their autopilot, uh, AI team, which are, if you, if you guys know ML are just some of the most impressive engineers in the world and is putting off a full-time offer at Google to work with us. And he is just a great guy, great to have on your team. And then our advisor, Marcus Nelson, I have learned so much from him. He has given me so much peace of mind and has reminded me about so many just lessons along the way, how to, how to enjoy this, not to obsess. I'm a, would be a pitch deck in the trash on my laptop without Marcus. And there are so many other people that we have so much, just so many things to give um, to, but definitely had to give those guys a shout out while I'm on here.
1: Yeah, that's an all-star team. That's an incredibly impressive team. The sky feels like not even the sky actually is the limit for a team (laughs) like that.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Well, we always like to ask, you know, all of our countless Guests on the show. <laughs> what kind of startups, outside of what you're building, which is consuming most of your mind share, what startups are you looking out for? Are you inspired by? We want to hear about one that we can uh, talk about next
2: show. So, an Austin company actually called Creation Crate. They deliver hands on education for subjects at the cutting edge of technology. So, they sell. Self-learning kits and online courses in electronics, engineering, and now chemistry. And the founders are two good friends of mine, Chris Gatbonton and Ryan Aflito. Um Both are very passionate about self-learning, and especially educating our youth now, which kind of kind of sounds strange for me to say, but our youth in STEM. And both are just, they both subscribe to the personal philosophy that you should leave um, everyone better than you found them. And seeing that in practice is really great. They're building a fantastic community in Austin, and I can't wait to see their company boom.
1: I love the the sound of that. I think self-education and self-learning is so, first of all, important. And it's never been more at your fingertips and accessible than it is right now. So I, I love to hear that, and especially the fact that it's an Austin startup, you know that perks Sam and I's ears up a little bit more, so definitely good, good rec, we'll definitely look into that. To keep that
0: train rolling, where can people find Ima, where can they find you and the team, give them, give them that plug so we can help spread the word. So
2: www.ima.app, you can find our website, and then we're available on Twitter, ima underscore underscore app and ima is imma and uh, instagram ima dot app and then um all right i understand there are some probably some gps lps at sequoia listening so my email is (laughs) Jeff at ima dot app
1: all right we'll be sure to link all of that on twitter as well Yeah. Is there any, is there any influence behind the name IMA? Does that so stand for something? It
2: was. It used it's a palindrome. It's not.
1: It's not. <laughs>
2: it, it used to be called, it was originally called MIMA, Micro Influencer Marketplace Application. But a marketing consultancy mm-hmm. out of California had MIMA trademarked. So I took the logo that we had paid $60 for, pasted it in Canva, And then cropped all of the letters individually and rearranged it to IMA, from MIMA to IMA. Oh, wow. And that's IMA. Wow. And if you think, I mean, yeah, we want to run with the word as well. I'm going to buy that.
0: I'm going to buy that. I'm
2: going to quit my job and start a company. I'm going to be a user. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) That's for sure. Well, I'm going to wrap this episode up for us. Jack, thanks for coming on. As always, you're a a beam of positivity and loved hearing the story. So thanks for coming on VenturePill. You're a true (laughs) builder.
2: Thank you so much, uh, Sam. Brandon, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening.
0: Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on VenturePill.
2: She told me that she only Bumps my music when she's lonely my vibes right't know how one thing I want to establish before we continue and that is where are we looking are we looking at each other in the eyes or are we looking at the camera
0: <laughs> Um... <laughs>